Welcome to Question Period. I'm Evan Solomon. Today on the program, sheer civil war. I am staying on to fight the fight the Canadians elected us to do. As powerful conservative insiders launch an open campaign to take down Andrew Scheer, can he survive an open civil war? Will his newly appointed deputy leader, Leona Alislev, who was a liberal until 14 months ago, quell the anger? We'll find out as Leona Alislev herself joins us today. And then Stephen Harper's former communication director, Corey Tonight, the man leading the charge to take Scheer down, joins us on the scrum. Plus, feuding federation. We'll be looking for action from this federal government, understanding uh, the frustration that was identified by the Prime Minister on election night. Regional tensions are running high heading into tomorrow's big gathering of the Premiers in Toronto. Will provincial backstabbing overshadow the agenda and can the Trudeau government douse the growing prairie fire? Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe joins us and so does Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister on his war of words with Quebec. All that plus we look ahead to the speech from the throne and the survival of a liberal minority government. Elizabeth May joins us on the scrum. This is Question Period. Let's go get some answers. Back in 2015, she was on Team Trudeau, railing against Stephen Harper's conservative government. Over the last decade, I've watched this country become something I barely recognize. Socially, politically, economically, and internationally, this is not who we are as Canadians. It's time we took our country back. But after two and a half years with the Liberals, Leona Alislev changed again. After careful and deliberate consideration, I must withdraw from the government benches to take my seat among the ranks of my Conservative colleagues and join Her Majesty's Royal A mere 14 months after her defection, Leona Alislev suddenly finds herself as the second most powerful person in the Conservative Party of Canada. Leona embodies exactly the type of person that we are trying to reach out to, to show that you, if you have voted Liberal in the past, if you are disappointed with the government that Justin Trudeau has been providing Canadians, there is a place for you in the Conservative Party of Canada. But before Alislev can recruit Liberal voters, the more pressing concern for Andrew Scheer is recruiting Conservative members who are now calling for his resignation. Can she stop the open civil war going on in the party. Let's find out. Joining me now in studio is the new deputy leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, Leona Alislev. Uh, great to have you in studio. Congratulations on the new job. Thank you very much. Uh, circulating all over the place is your 2015 debate when you ran as a liberal and you said, I don't recognize the party now, the country, economically, politically, or socially under Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper is polling higher in Monk's Conservatives than Andrew Scheer. How can Conservatives trust you as the deputy leader when you've only been a Conservative for 14 months and you've condemned 10 years of Stephen Harper's government? Well, first of all, that was then, this is now. I've learned a great deal between then and now. And if I understand your question correctly, what you're asking me is can I really be a Conservative because of time? Conservative and the Conservative Party is about shared vision for the country, shared values and beliefs, and that is what I represent. Okay, do you still, so you said in 2015 you don't recognize the country under Stephen Harper. A lot of your colleagues now worked for Stephen Harper, they worked in that government. Do you, have you changed your view now? Do you think 10 years of Stephen, of Stephen Harper was great for the country? 
I think that a political party is made up of the people who are in it at the time and what the country needs at the time. And what this country needs right now is these people and this party and the Conservative government. Okay, well, Andrew Scheer said your work is to help people who voted Liberal come con become Conservative, especially in Ontario and around the Greater Toronto Area. He said, Leon you can be like Leona Alislev, start off as a Liberal and become a Conservative. You may be the right weapon for that, but it may be the wrong battle. Right now, Andrew Scheer doesn't need to recruit Liberals. He's got to recruit Conservatives. There's an open nonprofit organization that wants to oust Andrew Scheer. There's a lot of Conservatives who say he's offside on social Conservative issues. Uh, do you we think he needs to change on that? The popular vote. We have more conservatives that voted in the last election uh, than ever before. Let, 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 and let's, so let's, let's we need reality. to do bad, better in Ontario. And so we need people who didn't vote for us last time to vote for us this time. But even before we get to that point, we have to do some real work in the House of Commons. We have to look at the economy. We have to look at but national avoiding, unity. But you're you're, and you're we avoiding have to the question. You, those are all true. But there's, you, let's not pretend you can't smell the smoke all over the place. You know it. You've got a unity crisis in your own party. Uh, what are you going to do about it? I don't think that's it? a fair characterization. I really don't. I think okay. that there are certain, obviously, disgruntled people, and I am very disappointed in them. Because if they really cared about the country, and they really cared about the conservative movement, they would wait for the external revo review that we are investing in to find out exactly where we can why, do better and what they? we did wrong. But why but the why wouldn't they? Because well, how can they make an informed decision on whether or not this is the right leader if they haven't got all the information. Well, let's talk about one of the issues. Uh, some of many prominent conservatives have said Andrew Scheer's position on same-sex marriage is has not been strong enough and you've had failed candidates in Quebec who gave him an earful this past week in Quebec as you know said he's a liability there. Let me ask you, first of all, do you support same-sex marriage? And yes, do you, absolutely. Oh, you do. Does Andrew Scheer need to recalibrate his position on that? I think there's a big tent party. I'm proud to be part of the Conservative Party. There's room for all views, not only in a political well, party, but in the country. He's given his view. The critics say it's mealy-mouthed. He hasn't been firm enough. All he'll say is, this is the law. I'll support it. it I'm, just, I'm telling you what we conservatives have, are saying. Absolutely. And the Conservative Party, like the country, is built on inclusiveness, diversity, tolerance. We have room for everyone's so beliefs. What, so, what we need to know right. is what will he do as prime minister? And he has clearly said that as prime minister, the issues are solved and the debate is right. closed. But, but Leona so, Alislev, if that position was good enough, he might have won the election. He didn't. So what's going to change? We don't know the answer to that. We have to understand okay. what from okay. an external Okay, so you're saying review. he's not so changing his view. There's some very vocal people. Not, I'm saying we need to understand what exactly we need to do differently to win the next election. But until we have that information, there's so, no value so in So what's your message to Stephen Harper's former candidate? Uh, uh, communications director who's on this show coming up, Corey Tonight, who's one of the senior conservatives spearheading this thing called Conservative Victory, a nonprofit to oust Andrew Scheer, make him resign, and actually rerun again, as by the way Stockwell Day and others have done. What's your message to that group of outspoken conservatives? My message to that group is if you care about the country and you care about the Conservative Party, then you need to make sure that we are united, we're focused on what we need to do for Canadians. All right, let's talk about the carbon tax. You're on record when you were a liberal of supporting the carbon tax. Do you still support a carbon tax? Absolutely not. Well, what happened? 
Well, I got new information and I understand the, the complexity of it even more. Listen, the liberal plan is not an environmental plan, it's a tax plan. And they're forcing Canadians to be even more economically disadvantaged, where yes, you want them to change behavior, but in places like Aurora, Oak Ridges, Richmond Hill, where you have no flexibility to change your behavior because there isn't public transit, you have no other mechanism other than to sit in traffic, what exactly are they offering us to do? Instead, they're just simply making life more affordable, undermining and punishing some critical elements of our economy and making us less productive okay, so, and competitive. So, so 14 months ago, you supported the carbon tax now you don't that's fine you people can change well you change 14 months ago i i start, stopped supporting but yes uh, right 14 I, I, months I, ago you were on board now you're not okay the conservative team is as fractured as we've ever been public as we've ever seen publicly right they, well look look well it's very uh, just as i mean you can try to spin it but you know there's this is this is there's basically a civil war going on in your party right now and i you think can, that's just a little hyperbolic i i i think that they're obviously wanting to make focus around things that we need to, to do better. Okay, well, if you if this is normal when you've got some uh, people... There's a big difference between okay. normal he's, and hi he hyperbolic. Is, he but is facing a leadership test that is mandatory in April. And Absolutely. Let me, uh, what the constitution of the, of the party says he's got to get 50% plus one, but Joe Clark set the bar at 70%. Stephen Harper set the bar at 80% and got 85%. What does... Andrew Scheer need to get in the April leadership race to maintain his leadership. What's the threshold? I, I have confidence in the leader's abilities. Why can't you, but, but why can't you guys just answer it? Andrew Scheer didn't answer that question. Is it 50 plus one? Is it 70? Is it 75? Is it 80%? What is it? I think we've got a long time between now and then, and we need to be focused on what we're doing now in the House of Commons but for it, Canadians. But it's important because you've got people calling for him to resign. I, I what constitutes support for a leader in your party when he's under attack. In your mind, does he have to get a threshold over 75%? What is the acceptable threshold? I think he has to have the hearts and minds and it has to be, uh, and, and he has that confidence. You think, so you're looking at me and telling me that that Andrew Scheer has the hearts and minds of conservatives, even after the earfully gotten Quebec, even after you've got all this stuff popping up all over the place. Obviously, there's things that we need to do better, but that doesn't mean that they think that this isn't the leader to do it. And I support Andrew Scheer. And, well, I know uh, you do. He, he just made you deputy leader, but he's fired three. His campaign manager was fired, his chief of staff was fired, and his communications director was fired. He didn't even replace them yet. So now there's this kind of gaping hole. Why didn't he find a new team right now? What's the holdup? Post-campaign is always a chaotic period, and, uh, and we're working to make sure that we get ourselves organized, and that's where we are at the moment. Would you or will you march in a gay pride parade? I did for three years as a liberal, four years, as, and then uh, certainly I did as a conservative as well. Absolutely. Do you think Andrew Scheer should? I think that there are many ways that you can show your advocacy and your support and a parade, marching in a parade is only one of them. Not everybody feels comfortable marching right, in a parade enough. regardless of what the but topic is. But have you is. had a candid conversation with Andrew Shearer and said, listen, now that I'm your deputy leader, let's talk truth. You got to fix this problem because it's been dogging you since the election. Have you told him that? I am privileged to have opportunities to speak to him and we talk about all kinds of things. Is he going to change? Well, he knows that he's going to do some things differently because he is focused on right. doing things for Canadians. And so, of course, there's things that he's going to work on.
Well, you've got a very challenging new job as the new deputy leader of the Conservatives. Interesting times. I really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. And thank you for having me. All right, that is Leona Alislav. Coming up on the program, premiers are fighting with Prime Minister Trudeau, but they're also now fighting among themselves. Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister is calling out Quebec for its religious symbols ban, but will he raise the issue with Premier Francois Legault in person when they meet tomorrow in Toronto? We will find out as Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister joins us after the break. Stay right here with Question Period. I'm proud to say that I don't support Bill 21, nor will I stand quietly back and watch while someone else's rights and freedoms are eroded. I think uh, this money uh, would have been a better spent for French services in Manitoba. And I think Mr. Pallister uh, must work to keep his own people in Manitoba, like Dustin Bufflin uh, with the Jets. Well, the nasty back and forth between Quebec Premier Francois Legault and Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister has cast something of a pall over tomorrow's Premier's meeting in Toronto. Now, at the root of it is the controversial Bill 21. This is the Quebec law that prevents public servants from wearing any religious symbols. Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister has launched an ad campaign asking any civil servant looking for work to move to Manitoba. How will this play out tomorrow as provinces are trying to build a unifying message for the federal government? Let's find out. Joining me now is the Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister. And, and before we get to all the politics, I'll say it. Congratulations to your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Well done, pre Premier. Thank you very much. We're really uh, proud to have ended that drought, Evan, and really excited about uh, next year's season and uh, hanging on to this cup, too. Yeah, well, but don't worry. You've clearly already in another match right now. Shots fired at uh, Premier Legault says, look, Premier Pallister, save your money. Use it to keep the Winnipeg Jets star Dustin Bufflin happy. What is your response to his diss back at you? Well, I, I would disagree with your preamble in reference to the word nasty. I would say this is an honest exchange about an important issue. Human rights matter to Canadians. Uh, when we see uh, rights eroded, uh, we stand up and say something here in Manitoba, and I hope fellow Canadians, including Quebecers, would uh, say the same. Uh, I think Quebec is too strong for a bill like this. I think Quebecers are too good for a bill like this. And I think that it is a danger and an erosion of human rights that we should all be concerned about. When you guys meet face to face, are you going to get? Are you well, going to lay into him about your concerns about Bill Twenty One? Well, I, I'm not uh, at all uh, disrespectful of Premier Legault. We agree on many, many things, and we'll be, I'm sure, uh, having uh, good discussions about a number of issues. On this, we have agreed to disagree, uh, and Manitobans expect us to stand up for human rights. Canada never stands taller than when it, when it does. And uh, I believe that Canadians uh, uh, will uh, defend the rights of others, even though they may, themselves may not be directly impacted. They understand that there are people in minority situations who are going to be very much disadvantaged uh, by this kind of legislation. And I don't think that they want uh, me to be quiet about it or anyone else. I would hope that Canadians would understand that, uh, you know, saying, well, I want to have uh, more trade with Quebec 
isn't as important as saying, I want Quebecers to be free uh, to exercise their freedoms, as we should all be free to do. Do you think that the federal government, I mean, now you've stood out about this, do you believe the federal government, who said, you know, we're leaving the option open whether or not we will challenge this law in court, do you think they should be a little more outspoken because they've called it legislative discrimination? Do you think they ought to now just bite the bullet and challenge this in court? Well, well I, I would say that when people's rights are endangered, uh, they don't need someone saying, I'll help you later, uh, you know, eventually in due course after the person has lost their rights. I would say they need help now, and that is why we're standing up and saying, through, by way of a unanimous resolution of the Manitoba Legislative Assembly, by way of this advertising effort, we're saying, you know, frankly, we just don't believe this is healthy or good right. for Canada's reputation, for the minorities within Quebec, for Quebec itself, quite frankly. You're meeting premiers tomorrow, but you've got to send a message to the federal government. So I just want to be clear, when you say they shouldn't wait when their rights are removed, you're sure. saying the government is, is being too timid on this. You would suggest, if you don't like this, don't delay, challenge this in court now. I'm just, I want to make sure I'm reading your mail correctly here. Clearly, on this issue, I would like... Uh, the choice to be made by other uh, elected officials, whether federally or provincially, to be that they express their views on the issue. Uh, I'm not prejudging what their views may be. Obviously, the Quebec Premier thinks differently than I. He says it's a popular measure. I think it's a dangerous measure. We agree to disagree. And I respect and like the Premier, but I do not like this legislative proposal. I do not think it is a good thing. And I would hope others would stand up and say what they think. If they think it's a great thing, say it, make your arguments, but you've got to do better than Dustin Bufflin if you're going to persuade anybody who's thinking about human rights. Interesting. So that will be on, on the table tomorrow. Uh, what's your take on this Western Wexit? It's called Western uh, Exit or the Prairie Alienation. It's gained a lot of steam. Jason Kenney has been one of the chief voices talking about that. Uh, do you believe that he has been dealing with that in a responsible manner or a reckless manner? Oh, I, look, I have a lot of time for the grievances of Western Canadians. We have some of them here, too. Uh, and certainly, Premier Moe and Premier Kenny have been ardent and enthusiastic advocates for the concerns of their provinces, and I respect them for doing that. that. That, I believe, is important. And the federal government has a chance to respond. I know the appointment of, uh, of uh, Christa Freeland, for example, uh, has been met, uh, I think, with real optimism, by, certainly by myself, and I... I would expect by the other premiers as well who worked with her on trade files in the past. So, you know, I think there's room for some hope and optimism here. Uh, but no, I would not describe the decisions or actions of my fellow premiers as reckless, except, of course, in the case of Bill 21 in Quebec, where I have to draw the line. Uh, what's your take on Andrew Scheer? He's fighting for his political survival. You're a conservative premier. Um, do you think he can and should mm -hmm. continue as the conservative leader, or does he need to make changes? I, I think that the members of the Conservative Party have a decision to make. I think that the process is one that allows input from the grassroots in the Conservative Party, which I think is certainly healthy and good. I support that process. Uh, as far as Andrew's decisions, Andrew made the decision to enter pub public life uh, out of a desire to serve. He has a focused de desire to serve now. And, uh, you know, his choices are his choices. Uh, but I would, I would say to Conservative supporters in the country, don't be your own worst enemy. 
If you've got some old rivalries to uh, clear up, do it privately, don't do it in front of a camera because that isn't going to help the conservative movement in the country at all, nor will it help the country, frankly. So I'd encourage uh, Andrew Scheer and my fellow uh, federal representatives, uh, some of whom I've already encouraged uh, personally, to uh, stick to their knitting. They were hired to be the opposition. Do the job of being the opposition and focus on building your case uh, mm. when in the next federal election comes around in whatever way you can, but don't start picking at each other. Circling the wagons and shooting in is never a good strategy. Well, uh, you know, you do speak French. You are, there are people are looking around. Would Brian Pallister ever consider running as the leader of the Federal Conservative Party of Canada? No, I've been there, done that. I, in the 1990s, I was the campaign, uh, hopeless campaigner for unity among conservative factions around the country suffering injuries and 10-foot poles hitting me from both sides. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in the job that I want and the job Manitobans hired me to do, and I'm proud to do it and I'm honored to do it. All right, well, I gotta leave it there for today. Uh, Premier Brian Pallister, who will be joining other premiers tomorrow. Great to have you back on the program, but coming up here, there is an open revolt inside the Conservative Party to dump Andrew Scheer. Will it simply split that party back into old factions or not? The scrum is standing by and the man leading the charge to get rid of Andrew Scheer, former communications director to Stephen Harper Corey tonight, joins us. Stay right here with Question Period. I will be making the case to our members uh, that we need to stay united and stay focused, and I will be seeking a mandate to do that in April. So the whispers of discontent against Andrew Scheer have now escalated into loud, open calls for his resignation, and now there's an organized effort to get rid of him. A new nonprofit movement called Conservative Victory, spearheaded by prominent conservatives, is leading the charge to oust Mr. Scheer. Can he survive the attacks coming from all sides? You've got the social conservative wing of the party. They don't want him. The progressive conservative side. Can he survive a leadership review in April? Will his new deputy leader, who we just had on the show, Leona Alislev, be able to quell the dissent? Let's bring in the scrum to find out. Tana McCharles is a senior reporter for the Toronto Star. Joyce Napier is CTV's Ottawa bureau chief. Craig Oliver is CTV's chief political commentator. And our special guest for this round is the former communications director to Stephen Harper and one of the lead people spearheading the new website, conservativevictory.ca, who wants to oust Mr. Shear, Corey, tonight. Great to see all of you. Uh, Corey, man, you're... Uh, the straw that stirs the drink here. What is the case <laughs> to make, uh, force Andrew Scheer to resign? Well, I think the case is I've not spoken to a single uh, conservative at a riding level, uh, uh, frankly anyone, who thinks that Andrew can win the next election. And some want to say it more publicly and some will only say it privately, but I don't know anyone who thinks he can win. Okay, so uh, what's been the reaction since you launched this? Because a lot of people are calling this an open civil war in the party. Well, it's uh, been overwhelmingly positive. In fact, it's been exclusively positive, uh, save a couple of uh, comments from, uh, from uh, paid sheer spokespeople. Uh, look, I, I, I'm only giving voice, we're only giving voice to things that, uh, that you're hearing uh, off the record. That, uh, well, what's that the case? What's the case against The you? case is that uh, he provided uh, poor leadership during the campaign, and he's uh, provided even worse leadership uh, subsequent to the campaign in terms of actually recognizing uh, in addressing uh, inadequacies uh, in the platform, inadequacies in the campaign, and inadequacies in his own performance. Craig. The, the, well, the Greek chorus chanting for Shear's head is pretty impressive and convincing, but even louder is the sort of deafening sound of silence 
from people who will support him. Where are the major party leaders of the past? You know, I think there are two people who could be decisive here. Uh, one is John Baird. If John Baird comes out and says a large part of the problem was him, I don't think he could stand uh, against that. And the other thing is, this chorus seems to be mainly Ontario and Quebec. If the West turns against Scheer now, I think he's finished yeah, but, and he would know that. And, and so, and, and I've reported this weekend that actually there is a chorus in the West. There's a huge chorus in the West. It's white hot anger, I'm told. And Mr. Scheer will hear that. He has heard it. He'll hear it Friday. He's heard it Friday. And he is going to have to deal with a very real possibility that financing will dry up for his party and his caucus members because while it seems counterintuitive people in the west especially the business community and the energy sector feel shut out of power because of mr Scheer, and that's a sin they won't forgive uh joyce can he survive all these attacks no he can't and the question is not if it's when but I think it's an extraordinary story, and there's a lot of hypocrisy in this. Who did they think they had elected when they elected Andrew Scheer? Everybody knew Andrew Scheer was a social conservative. At first, the liberals were accused of bringing all this stuff up, of stirring all this past. He is a social conservative, and we all knew it. What, what's fascinating is he has no, even the social conservative. I spoke to Brad Trost, who is a social conservative, came in fourth, and he doesn't support him. But Corey... He's done some moves. I know he fired his chief of staff, fired his campaign manager, uh, fired his campaign manager, and he's just appointed Leona Alislev, a former liberal, she was just on the program, to kind of broaden the reach of the party. Good move. What does that tell you? Well, I, look, he, he fired his campaign team and his senior staff, and he replaced them with a stack of empty chairs. Uh, and now the number two person in the party is someone who is at best a tourist in the conservative movement, who's been there for barely a year. Uh, who, uh, frankly, let's just, you know, speak truth. This is someone who joined the Liberal Party and ran for Justin Trudeau against Stephen Harper. Someone who, if uh, Conservative Party members could do a trade right now, uh, they would trade Andrew for Stephen Harper in a second. This is someone who campaigned for Trudeau against Stephen Harper. And this is who is going to be the number two person. Look, everyone in caucus feels like, and actually is, more qualified to serve in that role than she is. And in your interview with her, by the way, she sounded pretty flexible on principle. Uh, remember that as a liberal, she fought hard for the carbon tax. When you said, what changed? She said, new information. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to but, think but the new floor crossers was. Is a, this is a phenomenon. Parties love Look, a floor here's, crosser. Here's the, she, can she quell the anger at the no, Shearer, here, And here's the bigger danger, actually. Uh, the bigger danger for this party, and the party has actually lived it before, is that if Mr. Shear digs in and continues to display the lack of leadership that we're seeing and we've seen since the election, what will happen is there will be an internal revolt. It happened when Stockwell Day's That's leadership right. was very challenged, mm -hmm. and there was eventually a breakaway caucus, the Democratic Reform Caucus, and the whole thing didn't come back together until Stephen Harper pulled it back together and pulled back in the progressive conservative wing. That is uh, the biggest risk for him right now and for this party, that they cannot bring together the broader coalition of Ontario, Quebec, the West, and the social conservatives, and the progressive conservatives. And I don't know who that person I mean, is. Who's okay, going well, to come well, in and do that? Start okay, off well, by defining I, what kind of conservatism okay. is it now? Like, what kind of party is this? You, 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 that's, I think, one of the issues, is we don't know if this is not a progressive conservative. It is, what is it? 
It sounds like Ron Ambrose to me, to tell the truth. And uh, so I is think the leader going to have to define that, the party, or does the party uh, define the party? Hang on, hang on, hang on. Like, there's, there's, a, there's a process, Corey. Okay, ahead. all right. So look, uh, you know, Andrew is unifying the party right now, and, and uh, yes, he's, he, he's, he's unifying the party in opposition to his leadership. So I actually don't see the party atomizing over this. The party's actually mm -hmm. coming together. I haven't seen social moderates and social conservatives more united on anything in 28 years in the party. To be fair, them. they're pushing. That's your message because you're running the out. Well, no, but stuff. it's true. But he's you saying that you're. On, uh, I know, day. but he's saying that you're sour grapes. You ran for Bernie. You never supported the guy. He's saying there's a bunch of sour grapes okay. people who ran against you. All right. You. Well, let, let's let's uh, address that. Uh, first of all, I'll address in terms of uh, you know my own personal involvement. I've written op-eds in favor of, of Andrew. Uh, provided whatever support uh, could be asked. Right. You know, uh, whoever the elected leader of the party is uh, coming out of this, I'll support just like I supported Andrew after he won. Tonda, who's waiting in the wings? Well, I think um, you'll see one of the names you didn't mention, but came third, I think, Aaron O'Toole. Aaron O'Toole. I think he's a very competent Ontario MP who would still be interested in that kind of role within the party, in a leadership role. But there are many others who people might think, you mentioned Rana, you, you know, there are other names that might come up. Michelle Rempel, a Calgary MP, fairly moderate, very fiscal conservative MP. Uh, there are others, but I think a lot of them, Jason Kenney, John Baird, all kinds of people, they're either busy or not yes, what necessarily about Stephen interested. Harper? What about yeah. Stephen Harper? So Is anyone going to say that name? Well, especially since all of the most prominent uh, and most believable opponents uh, of Scheer uh, are people close, intimate, work for Harper. Could, uh, so he, could he come a, back? Uh, Harper come back? Uh, I, I, I don't think Stephen Harper is an interest in coming back. Uh, I don't either. And, uh, I think he's uh, he's happily making money and uh, <laughs> uh, writing books and giving commentary and directing the conservative fund right. and having ex a lot of influence behind the scenes. But, but so is he then supporting this move against Sheer? Because I, I have sure had no communications like with him about it at all, uh, and I think it's really? safe to say that he has uh, has no uh, uh, is not supporting it. Okay, Will Brad Wall come back in? What about Brad Wall? Maybe a woman. You know, no that French. would be that would be no uh, that would be an he's interesting. Practicing message fiscally conservative socially you know more progressive I right. I got I gotta leave it there does Andrew sure make it to the April review or does he last that long 100% chance he's gone before. Yeah. 100% chance Andrew yep. Shear's gone before the April leadership. We'll, uh, wow. we'll, 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 we'll bet a case of these beautiful uh, CPD questions. All right, question I gotta leave it there. Wow. <laughs> Politics is tough. Thanks to you, Corey, tonight and the rest of the scrum. Man, there's a lot of political blood in the water right now. The scrum will be back a little later in the show to talk about the upcoming speech from the throne and Justin Trudeau's survival. But coming up next, the premiers are meeting in Toronto tomorrow as tensions are flaring in the prairies. Will the premiers be united in what they ask for from Ottawa, or will the regional divides continue? Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe joins us next. Stay right here with Question Period. There are some real tensions in the Federation, some deep challenges in our economy, and Albertans are looking for a fair deal, and I, I certainly hope we can get down to some uh, positive conversations about how to do that. There was no uh, commitments or indications made. Um, however, uh, there, there was a willingness uh, to listen. 
Canada's premiers will be descending on Toronto tomorrow for the first premiers meeting post-election. Of course, Alberta and Saskatchewan are expected to push for more pipelines, something Quebec has already taken a strong stance against as prairie frustration grows. Is it time to set aside regional tensions and get down to work? And what so-called demands are red lines for the prairie premiers? Let's find out. Joining me now from Regina is the Saskatchewan Premier, Scott Moe. And Premier Moe, uh, you've met with the Prime Minister and the Deputy Prime Minister. Now you're going to meet with your fellow uh, Premiers. Uh, there's been a real tension between Quebec and Alberta and Saskatchewan over pipelines. What will your message be to the Quebec Premier Legault? Well, our, our message will be uh, with, with all Premiers uh, is, is that we're coming together uh, to meet, uh, you know, and I was asked as, as chair of the Council of Federation to uh, bring together a meeting so that Premiers uh, could have a conversation about how we uh, can take uh, the next steps uh, from our level uh, to provide some guidance uh, for our federal government in light of a, of a federal election result that had some divisions across this country. And so we were asked uh, by a few Premiers, I was asked as, as chair to bring this meeting together to have a conversation on, you know, are there two or three items where we can come to a consensus and, and really provide uh, you know, the, the, the first few steps, if you will, to, uh, uh, to a better place in this nation. Are you ready to change your view on the price on carbon, given that the federal election had 66% of Canadians voting for parties that support a price on carbon? And I, and I say the federal election also had uh, at least that many Canadians that didn't vote for, for this particular Prime Minister. You, you know, you, we, can, we can talk about the semantics in this province where a larger percentage of people voted against a price on carbon, and those are the people that I represent. Yeah, I mean, but you've had this fight, and, and they're not budging on it. Uh, then you want them to build the pipeline. They've already said, look, we're not changing Bill C-69, which is what you call the No More Pipeline Bill. They call it Environmental Assessment Bill. Uh, that's already law. That's not even a bill. So they can maybe implement it. I'm just wondering, what can they do? The Trans Mountain Pipeline is being held up not by the Liberals, but by the courts. You, if you, when you met with Christian Freeland and Trudeau, Justin Trudeau, what did you say? Like, what other action can they do to actually build a pipeline? Uh, well, t TMX is, uh, the, the federal government has said is going to be built and they're making every effort uh, uh, to build that pipeline and I, and, I, and I commend them on that effort. It is, you know, all, all uh, the history aside, uh, we need that pipeline capacity here in Canada to provide uh, some of the most sustainable energy uh, to other Canadians and, and to people around the world. Uh, listen, uh, there is an offer uh, for, for provinces uh, to offer some advice on the implementation of Bill C-69. We also appreciate uh, that offer. I've got to talk about uh, Wexit, Western Exit. Premier, the Wexit movement's getting a lot of steam and a lot of attention. And you and Jason Kenney have been the chief political voices behind prairie alienation. But I want to be specific. Do you support the Wexit, Western Exit movement, or will you stand up and condemn separatist movements in the prairies? Uh, from Saskatchewan, from, from my perspective and the government's perspective, uh, uh, separating from the nation uh, does not address uh, the fundamental issues uh, that we're having and the frustrations, in fairness, that were identified by the Prime Minister on, on election night. Uh, it does nothing to enhance our, our market access around the world. It does nothing to enhance uh, the construction of pipelines or the, the efficiency of our rail transportation, getting our export-based products uh, uh, to port and ultimately to the 150 countries that we deal with uh, each and every year. Uh, from what I have seen thus far, uh, leaving the nation of Canada does nothing for that. Okay, so just to be clear, you, you don't think, there's no point you think Saskatchewan should separate. You would stand up against any separatist movement. 
I don't see that separation uh, helps with the frustrations that I have identified that have been told to right. uh, discussed with me by Saskatchewan people as well as uh, frustrations that were identified uh, by the Prime Minister on election night and frustrations that he has uh, reached out and, and uh, indicated that he would like to support Saskatchewan residents are. The frustrations are real. Um, but we need to work together to address the frustrations, uh, not the separation of, of, uh, of a province. I got one last question for you. Andrew Shears from Saskatchewan, as you know, he's facing a tough leadership sure. challenge. A lot of people say he's got to recalibrate his views on same-sex marriage and LGBTQ issues. Uh, he says he's going to stand on his leader, even though there's lots of people in his party that don't want him to, ha to do that. Uh, do you think those views, he's got to change those views in order to become more relevant to the rest of Canada? Is that a problem for Andrew Scheer? Well, yeah, Andrew Scheer is, uh, you know, entitled to have uh, whatever personal views uh, he views. I think also, in fairness, the views of, of the party have, have always been clear. And uh, we, we uh, are very similar uh, here in the, in the province of Saskatchewan, where our, the views of our, our party, the views of the government, the, the law of the government, is respected uh, not only in the in the province but uh, across uh, the nation of Canada. Listen, uh, with respect uh, to Andrew's uh, leadership, uh, he he won the most uh, popular vote uh, in the in the most recent uh, federal election. Uh, he had the largest percentage of vote, and I, I think there's uh, something to be said uh, with respect to that. Uh, there is a process uh, for these uh, types of things at all levels of government. We in Saskatchewan have our own provincial process as well on the party side. Um, you know, Mr. Shear is going to go uh, through that that process uh, like any other leader uh, would do. Um, but it, you know, with respect to the most recent federal election. He had more votes than any other leader right. that ran so in you, that election. So you're a member of the Conservative Party. Would you vote for him? Would you support his leadership? Uh, well, we'll see what happens uh, when it comes uh, this spring. But at this point in time, I would support Andrew Shear's leadership, yes. All right, I got to leave it there. Uh, Saskatchewan Premier Scott Moe, always a pleasure to have you on the program, sir. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Evan. Coming up on the program, the Liberal government is getting set to open a new parliament with a speech from the throne. What will Justin Trudeau's priorities be and how will he gain support from the other parties in this minority parliament? We will reconvene the scrum with special guest Green Party parliamentary leader. That's right, Elizabeth May joins us. Stay right here with Question Period. MPs are returning to Ottawa this week as the Governor General Julie Payette is set to deliver Justin Trudeau's speech from the throne on Thursday. It's a matter of political life and death for the Liberals now. Reduced to a minority government, the Prime Minister needs to outline priorities that the opposition can support. But what will those priorities be? Talk about that and what to expect when the Premiers meet in Toronto tomorrow. Let's bring back the scrum. Tonda McCharles is back, so is Joyce Napier. Craig Oliver is as well. And our special guest this round, I'm not used to saying this, the Green Party parliamentary leader, mm. Elizabeth May. Wow. Well, I really like it when I'm introduced as former leader. Come Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Let, you know, the Liberals have, have been meeting, you know, Justin Trudeau and Christian Freeland, they've been walking around, they're meeting everybody mm -hmm. uh, and serving up a lot of, you know, verbal lettuce. What concrete <laughs> proposals do they have to put forward to get opposition support, Elizabeth May? Well, I think it's really clear in the speech from the throne that climate will feature in a big way. Reconciliation, I was really pleased when I met with the Prime Minister, that was the first time that, well, at least that I'd heard, and then I was able to publicly announce that we are going to see legislation to bring in the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. Clearly, I think there's major opposition support, at least from Greens and New Democrats, to get rid of the uh, challenge to the Human Rights Tribunal for the case on the reckless disregard of the right of Indigenous the children taken into custody. Yes, yeah. yeah. so those child welfare cases, I certainly want to see, I think we'll see something on the uh, affordability crisis 
for buying homes. I think that's very likely to be in there. I mean, why else have a, a, a brand new position, the Minister for Middle Class Prosperity? We can sort that out later. But there's a lot that I think we shall see in the speech and throne. Pharmacare. I think we'll see pharmacare in there. I'd like to see more on mental health and addiction services there. And I'd love to see it actually reference the speech on the throne that we need a lifeline to keep Clinic 554 open in Fredericton for abortion access. Okay, so Tonda, there's a lot there. That's the throne speech. Yeah, that's <laughs> the throne. It's right but, there. But, uh, so, so does, what of that list, I think we'll get references to everything, and I'm sure it'll be warm and fuzzy, but is there going to be something that that shows that they've changed something concrete on maybe some of the demands the premiers have been making on either pipelines or on equalization or anything? I think that's not going to be no. necessarily in the throne speech or anything that you'll see immediately. I think that some of the work of listening, you know, the great listening tours that are going on both for the Conservatives and for the Liberals are still going on. Uh, but you will see, I think, uh, action on that soon, sooner than later. But I think the throne speech is going to set up all their great intentions mm -hmm. and cooperation and new spirit of collaboration, et cetera, and then they're going to be out. And then it's January when you're actually going to see the rubber hit the road. Joyce. I think tax cuts for the middle class. I mean, that's yeah. what they have been talking about, and that is actually the rallying cry. Everybody yeah. agrees to those things. I think NAFTA will be in there, too. I mean, we're getting closer and closer yes. or farther and closer, depending right. on the day and the minute of the day. But I think that, too, will be in it. And I think it will be a do-no-harm speech. Uh, Craig? Oh, I think there's going to have to be some pharmacare in there of some yes. kind, whether it's Joyce's kind or my kind. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, in order to, to save the prestige of the NDP leader. Uh, beyond that, I can't hear much of what Elizabeth was saying that would get them in any trouble. Yes. I, I think they're safe with the throne speech, and we all know why. Nobody wants an election, and half of them don't have the money for an election anyway. Nobody oh. can afford an election. Okay, yeah. so, so let's get something a little closer, Elizabeth May. On Monday, the premiers are going to meet, and you know they met with Scott Moe and Jason Kenney, and, and those guys keep saying the same things. We don't like what they call the No More Pipelines Bill, Bill C-69, and yeah. the government calls the environmental assessment. They want to hold off on the carbon price for at least a year. They want to change an equalization. They say that will help put out the prairie fire. Do they move on any of those things? I would love to see them start with the science and make sure that premiers, we could all be on the same page. At least let's talk about what happens to this country. And Alberta is part of this country. There is no separate planet for Albertans to go to. And there is no, uh, you know, rules of physics that exempt Alberta from extreme weather events and loss of billions of dollars to their economy too. So we're all in the same boat, quite literally. I think they should ground a discussion on the need for more climate action in the science and then say, in this context of knowing we have to go off fossil fuels sooner than later, how do we buttress the Alberta economy? How do we protect Alberta workers? And more than that, maybe we should talk about C69 and make sure it's grounded in areas of federal jurisdiction of environmental assessment in ways that would, ironically, give comfort to Alberta now. The architecture that we're talking about was put in place right. by Stephen Harper when Jason Kenney was in the cabinet. But if we could restore environmental assessment to being strictly federal jurisdiction as it was before 2006, that might actually deal with some Western alienation. Yeah, Tana, what's your, what's your take? Because well, although that's, that's Elizabeth May's take, but that is, I haven't heard that also, from Jason but Kelly those are also, those are also sort of not efforts that the premiers are going to make. Uh, those are efforts and questions and action that needs to happen on a federal level vis-a-vis -vis the prairies. Right. Um, I, so I think what the 
premiers are going to try and come out with is show some unity on a couple of questions to show that, hey, look at us, we can make the Federation work. What's wrong with you, Prime Minister? Um, I think you're going to see a little bit more cooperative, uh, cooperative statements on things like pharmacare, on things like uh, wealth sharing generally, but I don't think you're going to see the kind of specific drill down you were talking about on pipelines, bills, tanker bills, that kind of thing. It's, Greg, I mean, it's a little boring, but I think the premiers... Are, <laughs> well, no, the, so. the, no, it's a little boring to talk about equalization, and, but I think the, yeah. Fed, the, the, the fiscal but stabilization is, yes. program, they will be unified that asking more be, money on the referred to it. Stabilization well, will be the issue instead yeah, I think of equalization. This is going to be a unity meeting. Absolutely. There's no way the rehabilitation, the transformation of Doug Ford from your grumpy old angry uncle into Bill Davis, for instance, <laughs> uh, is ever going to allow uh, a real attack on, on Trudeau because they need each other. Everything Doug Ford wants, his whole vision for a transformation of France said better health care. He needs the purse strings that are being held by Justin Trudeau. And it's a fa fascinating thing to see him turn into Captain Canada all of a yes. sudden. It's great. Yeah. You know, like it actually, it is good to hear a premier speak positively about the Federation and the ability to make the Federation work. Well, all right, just before I go, Tom, the biggest challenge, I mean, now the, the speech from the throne will be here for Justin Trudeau. What do you reckon defines, I mean, we've got, we're looking at the new NAFTA ratification, a survival of a minority government. What do you think the new Trudeau 2.0 will be defined by if the speech from the throne is any indication? I think, you know, he's got a big runway, right? He's got about two years for sure until opposition pensions are vested. Uh, people who were elected in the last parliament, six years in, they're then ready to go to an election. I think he's got a long runway, but the big thing that's going to define him and the big challenge, I think, for him and his P PMO is tone, arrogance, trying to look to actually trying to walk the talk of cooperation and collaboration. Joyce? I, I don't think why I don't think we should be looking for another Justin Trudeau. This is what this the man we you know he's we know who he is and it's not gonna change. I don't think there's gonna be a big change in the tone or in the attitude. You'll see it give it six months. Interesting. Craig. Talk less, do more, no more touchy feely. Get things done. <laughs> Elizabeth May. I hope that it's going to be real climate action. They saw in this election, if nothing else, there's consensus around seeing a million people in Canada in the streets on one issue in one week is unprecedented. And I've been talking to ministers, talking to the Prime Minister. I do sense that they're willing to do more. They did take on a commitment in the election to carbon neutrality in this country by 2050. And you literally can't get there from here without a substantial change of direction before the next election. All right, lots of issues, and we got a busy week. Elizabeth May, great to see you. Tonda, Joyce, and Craig, as ever, our clubhouse remains. And thanks to all of you for watching. Just another big week to watch politics. We, As we just said, we've got our eye on tomorrow's big premiers meeting. I think they meet later today. We'll see what comes out of that, plus Thursday's speech from the throne. That'll set the agenda for the upcoming parliament. And we'll give you all the details and analysis in seven short days as we get right into the December season. Take good care. See you back here next week.